You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Stem cell research has been in the newspapers, the media, for many, many years, and it has great promise in treating many diseases that we see every day as physicians. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. James L. Shirley, Associate Professor of Biological Engineering at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Dr. Shirley is a recognized expert in the field of stem cell research. Welcome, Dr. Shirley. Thank you. Dr. Shirley, could you define what exactly is stem cell research? Well, I guess formally it's the uh, investigation of a very special class of cells that are referred to as stem cells. The choice of stem cells is actually a word that's been used for probably, I don't know, maybe 50 years or more, and it speaks to the idea that there are cells in the body that have the responsibility, that they have the role of producing mature differentiated cells while they themselves, the stem cells, remain undifferentiated. So they have a very non-functional characteristic, and they give rise to cells that do the mature functions in the tissue. So if you're talking about a tissue like the intestines where there's transport to be done, the stem cell is not thought to have transport function, but it's able to produce cells which do. And this turns out to be an important process in our bodies because even though we look as though our tissues are static, they're constantly turning over. So new cells are being born by cell division. They are changing and becoming mature differentiated cells. They get old, they die, they're lost from the tissues. And the stem cells in the body are responsible for replenishing those lost cells. Now, what I've just described is, is an adult stem cell. And they're referred to as adult stem cells because you can find them in adult bodies. But probably a, a better way of describing them would be postnatal stem cells because they're in children as well. And if we really want to be exact about it, they are the cells that appear in the body when organs have become fully formed. So, in fact, Adult stem cells, some of them first appear in the fetus, late in fetal development. Now, do they have complete potential to be used in any way possible? Well, there's been a lot of controversy about that question for the past five years or so. But it seems to be uh, the case that, in general, adult stem cells are limited in their potential to produce different types of cells. They're limited to the organ or the tissue in which they're found. So if you look at the ability of a liver stem cell. It has the ability to produce biliary cells that make up the biliary tree. It has the ability to make hepatocytes, which are the major functional cell in the liver. But those cells don't have the ability to give rise to, say, hair, or don't have the ability to give rise to kidney mature cells. So they're, in general, adult stem cells are restricted to producing the variety of cells which are found in a given organ or given tissue. Well, on the other hand, what are embryonic stem cells? Well, the first thing I think I'd like to say, and this not to confuse people, but embryonic stem cells have that name, but if you're a purist, they are not stem cells at all. What do you but, mean by that, Dr. What they are, in fact, is that they are precursor cells. So in the natural state, the cells which give rise to what we call embryonic stem cells are found in the inner cell mass of the early embryo. After a Several divisions. 
the cells that are found there are called epiblast cells, and they are the precursors for the entire body that will be formed in the embryo. Now, the reason I say they're not stem cells is that if you look in fetal development or if you look later in, in a newborn or even in an adult, you won't find a trace of those epiblast cells. So they've done their job. They have given rise to many different cells that have undergone differentiation to form the mature body, but they're not able to replenish the body. And so in that sense, they are precursor cells and not stem cells. Now, the reason we call these cells embryonic stem cells is because of their behavior and culture. So the way embryonic stem cells are made today is that the early embryo is disrupted, the epiblast cells are put into culture, and technologies have been developed to maintain those cells in culture for very, very long periods of time. Now, you had mentioned in the adult stem cells that a liver adult stem cell is a liver adult stem cell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are the embryonic stem cells multipotential? They are. And it's important to, to understand what is meant by that word, multipotential. In fact, embryonic stem cells, one could probably go so far as to say that they are pluripotent. And what that means is that they have the ability to give rise to pretty much all of the mature tissues that are found in the body. Now, the context in which that occurs is important to understand. The basis for that statement is twofold. One is that if you take these embryonic cells that have been grown in culture and you introduce them into a mature animal, this has been done in the mouse, what you find is that those cells give rise to teratomas. They give rise to tumors. And within those tumors, you can find a whole range of mature tissue types that include all of the three germ layers that are found in embryonic development. Now, the other way in which this pluripotency has been demonstrated is by taking embryonic stem cells and replacing them into a developing embryo. So what one, in fact, does is the embryonic stem cell is first given a molecular mark so that the descendants of that cell can be identified. An embryonic stem cell marked in that fashion is put back into a developing embryo, and when the offspring of that embryo, when the developed adult is produced, you can look in the adult and ask which tissues came from, which tissues are descendants of the marked embryonic stem cell that was put in the embryo. And you find that the descendants are throughout the body. And so that's the basis for saying that these cells are multipotent or pluripotent. So an embryonic stem cell has the ability to give rise to vastly different types of mature cells, blood cells, liver cells, kidney cells, skin cells. That potential is there. So they're much less restricted in their tissue potential than adult stem cells. Now, exclusive of where they come from, it would seem that the embryonic stem cells would be more advantageous than the adult stem cells, or is that not correct? Well, I think, you know, on first pass and a sort of a, a simpler analysis, that's what the public has been told. That's what we've been hearing. And it's reasonable until you think about it in greater depth. How's that? Well, if you think about it as physicians who see disease and see illness and see injuries, typically when you have an injury, it's limited to maybe one or at most two tissues. So for instance, a broken bone or you have a problem in the liver. And so in general, what's needed to cure, repair, if, so if a cellular therapy, so not a medicine, but a cell was going to be used to treat a problem in children or adults, those problems typically appear tissue by tissue. You have a problem in your lungs. You have a problem in your liver. There's a problem in your stomach. And so 
the only requirement is to have a cell that has the ability to replenish and repair that specific tissue. So although pluripotency might seem like an advantage, it actually isn't required in most cases for any type of problems that one is going to address. Now, the other side of this coin is that pluripotency or multipotency creates a problem in using these cells for therapy. How is that, doctor? The problem is that what I referred to earlier, when you take an embryonic stem cell and put it into a mature tissue or a mature organ, it forms a tumor. It is that property of making many different types of tissues that in fact limits its utility for solving a specific problem. But doesn't its environment determine which way it would differentiate? Actually, I guess one could say that environment would play a role in terms of the constellations of tissues that were produced. But what's been very clear, thus far, I'm aware of no case when embryonic stem cell has been put into any specific place, and it only gave rise to the tissues of that environment. The embryonic stem cell is the product of an embryonic cell that had the role of growing rapidly and producing a variety of different types of tissues in a very programmed, structured fashion in the embryo. So taken out of that environment that it evolved to be in and put into a foreign environment, you get a foreign result. And so this is one of the great challenges with the idea of using embryonic stem cells for therapies in adults and children is this problem of tumor formation. How do you harvest adult stem cells? It turns out that's one of the challenges for research right now on adult stem cells. I'm not so sure that it's a challenge in terms of future therapies. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. So one of the best defined stem cell compartments in the adult is the stem cell that's responsible for making all of the blood cell products. And this particular stem cell is referred to as the hematopoietic stem cell. It was probably one of the first, if not the first, stem cell that was very well characterized and defined. And it is the underlying basis for bone marrow transplantation therapy, which is fairly mature clinically. So in that case, one of the goals has been to have a better understanding of the hematopoietic stem cell. And that means that for research purposes, you need to have it in a fairly isolated and pure form. Now, the ways that people have gone about enriching for hematopoietic stem cells and this is now actually in clinical therapy, is to identify proteins that are on the surface of these cells that are fairly unique to those cells. So using molecular tools such as antibodies that are specific to those proteins, it's possible to identify those cells and isolate them by technologies such as flow cytometry. So it's possible because of the cells having special features on their surfaces to select them away from other types of cells. So one of the basic ways for getting stem cells out of complex tissues is to do something called cell sorting. Now, the research problem that we face is that there are no known surface proteins that are exclusive for hematopoietic stem cells. So when you do the best job you can of sorting out the cells which have the stem cell potential in the case of bone marrow, you end up with a population of hematopoietic stem cells and quite a few other types of cells that are not stem cells at all. Now, that's a problem for research, but it's not a problem for therapy. So one of the main, lack of a better word, criticisms that have been raised against research for adult stem cells is this difficulty, which we can talk about in more detail, of making more of them. Uh, there's a requirement in therapy, for instance, that you be able to not only isolate these cells, but get them to proliferate and multiply in culture. That's something that embryonic stem cells do very well. That's something that's been a real challenge to get adult stem cells to do. 
So for research purposes, we really need to have a way to make adults themselves grow in culture because then we can look for more exclusive markers. We can get a better understanding of how they function and how they work. But on the therapy side, and I want to be clear here, it would definitely be helpful to be able to make more adults themselves for therapy. A good example would be if you've got a bone marrow transplant, you have several people who need that bone marrow transplant. It's the hematopoietic stem cells in it that are important. And we don't have the way to take enough for one and make it enough for four or five. So being able to expand adult stem cells would really help in therapy. But it's not essential because you can still help that one person with the transplant that you have, even if you can't expand the cells. I want to thank Dr. James Shirley, who has been our guest. We have been discussing stem cell research. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.